uh, Jeff always had a fascination with Michelle Mouton. So um, not a stocking fascination, just a fascination of the car. <laughs> well, we all do. Yeah. Yeah. A healthy fascination. Jeff Beta, Tim Maskus. Before we get in, this is going to ultimately turn out to be a conversation about uh, former John Buffum and Michelle Mouton car. That is the what all this is. But can we get some basics on uh, who you guys are and why? Uh, for those Audi enthusiasts out there who haven't heard of you or don't know of you, kind of what you do or, or how you're in this space. Tim is sort of from the business. He was a rally driver himself and a car enthusiast. He knows a lot more about it. Uh, I am a fan. I'm just a guy from Brooklyn that always loved rally growing up and always loved Audis. My first car um, when I was 17 was an Audi GT Coupe, a white GT Coupe. I couldn't afford the Quattro. The Quattro was what I really wanted, but the front wheel drive Coupe was what I was able to get. Um, and I was a huge rally fan. And at that time, it was, it was very difficult to get any news or information on rallying in the US. There was a, a little newsstand under the train tracks on Avenue J in Brooklyn, I remember, that would get yeah. sports car magazine. And I would wait for it, you know, and then I'd, I'd be able to look up, you know, what happened, you know, over the last month or two. So I was able to follow uh, John Buffum's career and I became a fan of his and he was always sort of our guy, right? The American, the great, great. American rally legend. And it was another little sort of VHS shop on Nostrand Avenue that I would pop into every few months. And I, once in a while, they'd have like a world rally cross uh, VHS or beta max or whatever it was at the time. And I would grab that. So I was always a fan. And then when, um, I had an opportunity to, to get a URQ, I thought about building a, a tribute car. It had a livery on it already and I bought it and it was supposed to be a, a rust free example, which has turned out to be the opposite, right? No, say it, say it isn't so not possible. It isn't so. So I, I then I had, I started to you know, reach out for expertise online and that's how I met Tim. Tim is the mayor of the Audi, the international <laughs> online Audi community amongst many other things and a good dear friend at this point for many years. And he answers all my you know, dumb questions. And uh, Tim always told me, Tim knew what I wanted before I knew I wanted it. Like I did my replica car in steps he was always like, just do the whole thing. That's what you really want. I'm like, nah, I don't really want that. But turns out that is what I really wanted. <laughs> and then ultimately, we ended up collaborating together and, and uh, being able to, to get R27, which is the, the rally car you spoke about in the introduction. Um, so that's, that's me. Tim, mayor of Quattro Town? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know how I got bestowed that, but yeah. um, like Jeff... Um, living in Michigan, Michigan was rally central uh, growing up in Marquette, Michigan, and we'd always have the press on regardless rally. My dad would work ham radio operations and communications. And I remember as a kid riding in the, um, my dad's vehicle up in the Huron Mountains and working radio, sleeping most of the time because it was in the middle of the night. They ran three, four days back then, solid. And I remember seeing uh, Henry Mickle's car come through not knowing or what an Audi was or anything, but I remember that noise. And then later in years, I started getting more involved with rally, started rallying in 1988, I believe it was, with my dad um, in a Dodge Colt. Then we graduated to a Chrysler Conquest. Then we got into an Audi UR Quattro, which I rallied. Um, and then been buying and collecting those cars um, since. I've bought and sold eight. I have a tribute car as well. Uh, when I started building that car, it was a street car, and I thought I knew what these cars were like, what parts went in, and I had no clue. I was way off base on a lot of stuff, so thankfully the Audi community, um, people are willing to share their information to keep the um, dream of rallying Audis alive, and um, through the help of different online forums, and of course now Facebook, um, information is shared openly and um so like jeff said he reached out to me and probably for the last three or four years we've been uh he's been asking me information about his car and collaborating and we had set him up with a cage builder and different things and then um one day i think last year it started i think in the spring 
um, I sent, Eric, she was June. I remember now it was June because the New England Forest Rally was going on and Ken Block posted up a picture of him standing next to Buffum's car. And um, I sent it to Jeff. I said, look at this. And uh, Jeff always had a fascination with Michelle Mouton. So um, not a stalking fascination, just a fascination of the car. <laughs> well, we all do. Yeah. yeah. A healthy fascination. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, what she meant for, uh, I mean, obviously for women rally enthusiasts, but for everybody, right? And it's kind of where her head's at anyway, right? Is is she wants to be a great driver, not a, you know, no no other definition around that. No, no need to. She's, yeah. right. and, and she clearly did it. So, yeah, I think we all share that fascination. And yeah. especially when she start driving at like 21, I think, right. like professionally. Yeah. So, sure. anyway. But anyway, um, so I, re I sent the picture to Jeff and Jeff said, I wonder if he'd sell it. And not knowing Jeff, um, I've been helping him and um, looking at parts and stuff. And he was always concerned about, I don't want to say pricing, but he was frugal on what he did and why, why we were doing it that way and why I was suggesting. He was, he's digging deep into the data. And I sent it to him and I shrugged it off that he's like, you know, I wonder if it'd be for sale. Well, then a few days later, he said, no, I'm serious. I wonder if that'd be for sale. I'm like, well... I could reach out to John and see, and then it took me a few days to get the courage up to approach John to say, Hey, I got this guy. He's legit. Would you be interested? And then it rolled from there and it took, I don't know, maybe Jeff could answer maybe five or six months to uh, through di different various means to make it happen. I'll let Jeff explain if he wants how it happened. Uh, but then the, but yeah, Jeff, why don't you take that over from there before yeah, so, I continue? Well, can sure. we, can, do you mind if I sidetrack this just a bit? Right. I, we, we referred to it as R27. Uh, we've given some basics on it. This is probably, uh, it, it wouldn't hurt to let people know what we're talking about here, right? Like, and I know you can go much deeper than me, but at the end of the day, not, not a, a street quattro or a replica based on that. This is a factory built WRC spec. I think group, is this group four? It's well, full. Yes. Why don't you take it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, right. So R27, for those that don't know, the R27 refers to the chassis number given by, what is it, Matter? It's a, mat, it's a Matter, Ober, Ober Mill and Matter or something. Uh, but there's a company that Audi, who built, when they built the rally car, they would send it out to be caged and the chassis to be reinforced for rallying. And, and that company would put a, a number on it. So this one is R27. Um, Does that uh, suggest 27th one built? perhaps for Audi or uh, we think so okay yeah we we've read that right so some right. of this a little bit mysterious but uh we think so um so right so it's R27 and then um Michelle Mouton raced this car in 1982 and won uh rally de Portugal Portugal rally it was also the season uh, that Audi took the manufacturer's championship, which was the first year Audi did that. And it was with a Quattro. Uh, and uh, Michelle Mouton missed the, the driver's championship. She was the runner up by just a few points due to a mechanical uh, failure in the last race. She really, she had it in the bag. It was a shame, uh, but yeah. still, and she won all, all sorts of awards. So this car was really historic in that way. Michelle winning the Portugal rally in 82 in Europe, that year being the same year Audi took the manufacturer's championship for the first time in a, you know, and, and, and in a Quattro, which of course turned the whole motorsport industry on its head, never mind the civilian uh, motorsport uh, uh, car manufacturing. Uh, then the car uh, came to the US. This is where it gets even more interesting. Um, where Buffum took it to Pikes Peak in 82. Now this was the first Quattro, first Audi Quattro on Pikes Peak. And it won uh, the rally class. And I think it was the, the fastest uh, closed body car, I, I believe. So um, that started the Audi dynasty on Pikes Peak that saw uh, Walter Roll, saw Michelle Mouton, um, Unser. Uh, so it, it's historic in that way. And in that, in that year, uh, Buffum also drove it to win the SCCA national championship, which is incredible. Uh, and he drove it to, uh, he drove it in the RAC rally in the UK as well. 
So this is one of the very few cars, I don't want to say the only, because I'm not totally certain of that, but to win a World Rallycross Championship event and to win the SCCA Championship for sure, and to win on Pikes Peak, Pikes Peak. and to be yeah. the first. I mean, it's, it's a one-of-a-kind uh, monument to the glory of the 80s rally era. Right. Um, that's so just romantic and nostalgic, and in my mind anyway. So to be able to... And I really mean this. I feel like we're sort of the caretakers of it, and and not the owners in that in the strictest sense. Um, so we want to show it and tell the story and tell Buffum's story and Michelle's story through this car, right? Uh, so other fans can enjoy it, and Audi Club fans can enjoy it, and and, and everybody that's interested. So so yeah. Uh, th th now that I sidetracked you, uh, but but gives people an idea of like i'll be honest even having gone through the experience with you uh up in, in vermont at john's shop and everything else uh had, i hadn't even done the math that like wrc win logged pikes peak log championship logged here in the u.s that's a a really substantial uh portfolio of of wins for this particular chassis yeah. All right, so you're you're trying to get John to sell it to you. I think that's where we left this. All right, so um, so Tim made a nice introduction, which I appreciated very much. I think, um, uh, and then I, I reached out to John, and I think he might, have, you know, he I think he had some uh, other people that were interested. Obviously, you know, of course, right? Who wouldn't want to own this car here in that industry? And I was sort of coming in from the outside, and John and I didn't know each other, but. I do feel like we connected and had a rapport uh, initially. He's a he's just such a regular guy. I mean that in the best way, and I feel like I am too. Like we just spoke like real people to one another from the beginning, and what he could do and couldn't, and what the circumstances were around what other offers he may be looking at, and we were just both very upfront and honest with each other. It took a while, um, but the deal was closed on the phone, just saying, "Do we have a gentleman's agreement?" And that was it. And I knew. Uh, even just in the conversations that I had with John, that that was as good as any contract signed and done. He's that kind of guy. And I, I am too. It was done. And as I was saying, right before we started, we spoke for a moment before, but uh, before we started recording, um, not all the details were fully worked out, you know, in terms of what was included and what wasn't included. And <clears throat> so all, all that kind of came up after we had a deal. Um, and John was just so gracious and generous and we were just so open and honest in any conversation that we had that wasn't totally finalized beforehand. Uh, it's the kind of thing, I don't know how often happens anymore between people, but uh, just the whole experience was positive and great. And John is a complete gentleman. Um, you know, they talk about not meeting your heroes because you might be disappointed. Right. That really was the opposite with John. He lived up to everything in fact he may have even broken some you know things that have been written about him like he could be brash or whatever yeah found him to just be such a down-to-earth straightforward earnest person um he was he was great to meet he's old school in a really uh endearing way right yeah. like it's it, like you kind of wish we could go back <laughs> to that simplicity and a lot more things than just you know encountering him right it's uh, like the, when the when the truck came to pick the car up he was underneath the car lashing it down. I mean, the man is how old? So he, he, yeah, right. Here he was, <laughs> like while we're chatting in the parking lot, he went over with a truck driver and, and, you know, he knew best, you know, where Correct. he wanted those straps. Yep. Uh, I thought it was fantastic. Right. He didn't ask anyone. He, yeah. he didn't, and he wasn't waiting for anyone else to do it. No, no. And there was no, yeah, there was no pretentiousness about it. It's like, just matter of fact, this needs right. to right. be done and done properly. So let's get it done. Right. He made, and I asked him about that after a little bit. I think, George, we were talking to him about it together. He didn't have the same kind of support that the rally teams in Europe had. Right. So he did a lot of these things on his own and figured them out on his own. And he had a team supporting for sure, but he's very hands-on, very, very hands-on and knowledgeable man for sure. Yeah. Interesting guy. And yeah, certainly not wired like uh, they were all very unique personalities, right? In in period, whether it was Michelle or Stig or you know mm -hmm. any of them, but like, but John was so much more. And having to deal with you know out here in you know in the United States, it's different series, it's different importer, it's out of America. Um, 
he they the Audi AG certainly does motorsport at a different level even back then than here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty fascinating. Yeah, that was a great day. So it was the deal was done and that was it. Then we was it, it was it wasn't that easy. There was a lot of back and forth. There were other people interested in it. One okay. of the main things that Tim and I wanted to do with this car and that was motivating us was really to have an example of of an X Works you know genuine article in North America and North America being its home. Um, as far as we know, it's the only maybe maybe there's others that kind of come in and out. Their home base may is Europe. I don't know. There, there could be another one. I don't know. But Spangle's car, I think, is a factory chassis. So that one's in yeah. Ontario. But um, that's a Bruno car that was built by Bruno Kravich. Oh, is it? Yep. Right. So it has works parts, right? But it wasn't. Oh, yeah, fully. And, and not to take away from that car, because it's amazing. And those guys are phenomenal drivers. And um, that car is equally as um, awesome as right. Michelle's car. Well, I wouldn't go crazy that time, but you know. <laughs> no. it's a, it's but this nice one's got seat. a bit of a pedigree. Uh, right. Yes, very, very much so. Yeah. I remember, not to change the subject, but I remember at a rally up in uh, at POR one year, and they came around the corner, and I was mistakenly standing on the outside of the corner and was hit with full Audi sand spray, um, probably about 60 feet off the road, and we got pelted pretty good, but it was enjoyable. Um, listening to that car and those guys drive that car at at top speed is amazing. Yeah, so uh, we 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 wanted to have one that was here, and the connection to Buffum was very important for us because he was our guy, and of course Michelle Mouton, iconic driver personality, yeah, um, glass ceiling breaker, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, w- w- was uh, more of a motivator than just had been a not you know just another r- rally car that had some provenance um the north american element to it and what it did at pikes here and having one here for us at one can we get can we just have one <laughs> yeah right. there aren't that many but you know yeah and while there had been some like i think the 80 i don't know if it was the 87 pikes car but there was a car that was for sale for a while at timmy you may know way better than me on this but it was for sale for a while at that uh, what's the museum uh, dealership that's in Vegas? Like you could, it was off the strip and you could go in. I remember like in the early 2000s, wandering in there during a SEMA show and there it was. I don't know if, I don't know if it was the Pikes Peak winner, but uh, it might've been one of the display cars, but it was there, right? And right. and um, so, so like there were other cars here, but I, it seems like the Europeans bought up most everything. And uh, it's, it's yeah, I think the Audi museum bought a bunch of them since the 2000s, right? It, yeah, John Hanlon's cars, he had three of them, um, the Sport Quattro, the A2, and I can't remember the third one, but he had three cars and they bought them back, brought them back to Ingolstadt. I would like to say, you know, thank you for keeping it here, right? Like, it's it's nice to see that this one didn't get away and, and its history here, I think, ties it here in a lot of ways. I'd like to think it does at least. I'm thankful to Tim and to John to help me get in a position where I was even able to do that, so... It's worked out all around. So I guess you outplayed the other people who were in play looking to get the car. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly. You know, I, I, I just wanted the car. So I just, you know, played it straight with John. And, and I think he liked the idea that, um, you know, how much genuine respect I have for him and his career and keeping it here in North America and being able to retell that story. I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for him. I don't know if that even factored in, but right. it helped us have the kind of rapport that allowed us to ultimately close on a deal that made sense for both of us. So it all worked out. So cold morning last fall, you go to Vermont. I thought it was cool. You brought your kids. Uh, yes. Do, do you think they, I, I will say I have two young kids, right? Like in, a little bit younger than your boys. I have two young girls. Uh, on one hand, they kind of dig the car thing that I'm into, but on the other hand, it's, you know, whatever, it's a little bit lost on them. I'm curious, do your, do your boys recognize the relevance of this car in particular, that, that what a big deal it is to, to you and to history in general? No, and it's very frustrating. Yeah. So I think they understand how important it is to me. Like they see I'm excited. And so they're right. me and we had that experience together and, intellectually they get what i'm telling them but having 
you know, not kind of lived through it and grown up with it like I did. I just yeah. don't think they have that same connection to it. But I think I think they will as they get older. I put one of my sons in charge of, uh, you know, kind of documenting, uh, finding press on the car, keeping the photographs organized. So oh, cool. Something that we do together. Um, of course, I have a 13-year-old daughter who knows everything about Michelle Mouton now. Oh, um, how awesome is that? Yeah, yeah. That's that's so great, right? Yeah. Um, we watched a documentary together. Have um, you? So have you managed to get your hands on the one? Are we talking about the, the one where they all go to the house, like it's on motorsport.com, or there's a new Michelle documentary? Yeah, I can't find the new one anywhere. They're going to, so I did reach out to the producers. They're going to put it on, uh, I'm blanking on it, the cable company that used to be out of Philly. Um, I think NBC. Uh, Comcast, is it? Yeah, it's Comcast. Some, uh-huh. Somehow Comcast may have the rights to get it. I don't want to preempt anything that like, whatever, but they do have planned for US distribution. And so I did reach out to them to see, you know, we'd of course love to get our hands on it. She went quite a bit into it in that, was it called Heroes or something like that? That yeah, was on Heroes. Motorsports, uh, you know, on an Apple TV, you can get their app and and watch that. And it's got her and also Tom Christensen and several other drivers and they're talking about their history. It was interesting to see her kind of walk through that season, right? That season where she goes into the final race and 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 um, she's up against Rural and Rural, you know, it's, this is the 80s. So it wasn't exactly the most PC towards like women or, or no, whatever. No. Um, and I hear he speaks to that in the new documentary. So I'm, I'd really oh, love to. Yeah, because he's royalty too. And I know they have a good rapport nowadays. So I, I'm curious. I'd love to understand the dynamic. But um, but it, long story short, to, for the people who are you know, who may not know, I know you guys know it, was she, you know, her dad had, had cancer and literally passed away right before the race. And, um, and, and so her head's not really in the game and she was leading. She had a big lead trend. I mean, they go through it with footage and everything else. Definitely worth watching the motorsport heroes documentary. Cause she, she walks through all of that, but yeah. So like that season is, is, you know, that this is part of that. And this is tied to her. I agree. That's, that's definitely something that draws my daughters into is like, you know, they don't really get yet rallying. They don't really get, but they get, the significance of kind of how that plays out yeah anyway. yeah exactly yeah my daughter's into it yeah we watched you know some of the things we found on youtube like very I, I would just say as a fellow dad too the other thing worth noting if you don't mind me calling it out that day i thought it was amazing you guys had to get out of there so you could get back i believe your kid had one of your sons had like a, a tutor or like yeah, yeah it was schoolwork so he had to get back and i i was like what a great prioritization of like That's here right. you are buying this like amazing historic car <laughs> but the priority is still him and his yeah. academics and I, I just thought that was pretty rad right. like, he had a final he needed to study for and an ice hockey game those were, yeah. those were the two things so yeah. we had to we had to get back for it yeah totally yeah, that's definitely number one, especially he's in 11th grade. So this is the year that the college yeah. is the most. So important year. Yeah, we, we didn't want to mess around. So this is I, I, the other thing during this day, a couple of things I'll, I'll note as we go through these photos. I didn't ever realize some of those cars, that grill goes up. Was that a surprise to you that day? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'd seen a photo or two of other cars with the grill up. Uh, yeah. I, never, I never saw one live. I was surprised that that one, I think Tim may have known. For, for, again, for people who are listening in, this is a shot of the car. John's showing uh, Jeff underneath uh, just elements of it. And I think this was even the moment we both learned about that grill. The, the car is, at this point, relatively group four spec. I know it was modified a bit as he would race it, and he's restored it a bit. But that So it's got the group four kind of like single uh, square headlight and then this bump out to um, to, to allow for more more room for hardware because that engine is so far forward but like the more cooling but but yeah so it's attached to the hood so whereas most dark watchers it would stay down this goes up correct and it's right it is group four spec and and since it was in the 90 1982 season all 1982 group fours uh, were transferred to group b's so this okay car actually is group four and and group b like if you look at some of the cars that it was competing against at the end of the 82 season, they were full blown. Uh, Citroen had a groupie car in the, in the mix. Interesting. Yeah. So Tim group four, was that 81 and 82? We weren't yeah, really racing in 80, right? Yeah. They were developing this car in 81 and this is what they call an early um, group four car. 
Um, so it was, uh, they were experimenting and developing things. Uh, this car was also, I don't know if I want to call it a prototype, but it, and John filled me in on this and sort of somebody else that it had aluminum hood and aluminum doors. So they were calling it a lightweight edition. So everything on the car was, they're trying to take the weight off the car to make it lighter, faster. You know, they're doing all sorts of tricks. And then after the win in 82, we're told that uh, at the finish that the technicians were so excited they were celebrating they were jumping on the hood damaged the car um <laughs> and then the car went back to ingolstadt and then it was uh, refurbished and at that time they replaced it with a lot of new style parts um updated parts on the car uh, one was for example if you look at the early car at, at portugal you'll see that the car had a factory street uh, radiator core support or what we refer to as radiator core support um, after the modifications, they removed it, put a bar in, and they increased the front mount intercooler as well, among a lot of other parts on the car. And those are still there today. As we're working on the car, we're finding these stampings on the car. So, and these... so that was done before it was handed over to John. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So it went back after. Do you know if it was raced anymore in 82 in WRC before it went to John, or was it done in Portugal and then off to John? I'll let Jeff answer, but I've we I've not been able to find anything else other than it went straight from Ingolstadt, I think, to John. Correct. Yeah. As far as know, we didn't race uh, any other any other events there. And do we know much about? I don't know how much. I think John may have touched on it a little bit that day, but like I don't recall details. There's so little. That's kind of where Audi tradition loses touch with things that go out of their their market, right? So when you get to like Audi of America and um, and and Joe Hoppin and all of the, the the players in the U.S., there's really li very little record keeping that I'm aware of that that um, we know much of the story, right? That this would have gone through Joe Hoppin, uh, who was managing the relationship with John, I believe, at the time. Um, Correct. But I don't know how much you guys may know about that period. I don't know much of anything. So I know a little bit from, from John on some stories. There was another car that John got um, when he was um, rallying and, and basically being supported by Joe. Um, he got one of the last chassis uh, from Audi, which had no VIN number on it, and he built a car. Um, so I know that he had a, a really vast support from Joe Hoppen, Audi of America. Um, and to what extent... Exactly. I don't know. Although we saw that he had the ex Michelle Mouton. I believe he had that car, the, the sport quattro. Um, he had another sport quattro that if you look on YouTube, you see some videos of it uh, with a, a weird looking air, air deflector below the bumper to scoop more air in for cooling. Um, so I don't know all the details of that. John would be best to answer those. He's got a very good memory. He remembers details like nobody's business. Um, and, but Joe was pivotal in, for North America rally. Um, he also supported, I believe, Bruno Krybich, who built, I believe, three cars um, with Audi Sport parts. I'm talking chassis, engines, driveline, basically everything. Um, the one car's, of course, was Sprongle, the other one's uh, with an owner in Texas. Um, and uh, it was pretty amazing that the program they had back then, and we certainly didn't appreciate what was going on at the time. Wish I paid more attention. but. Right. Fun, fun fact about Bruno, his shop is about a mile and a half from where I live in Brooklyn. So, I mean, what are the odds of, you know, Brooklyn becoming this little satellite of 80s rally history? It's, uh, yeah, isn't that, isn't that nuts? Yeah. Small world. In fact, when I, well, when I was working on the tribute car, I even, I called him. I'm like, you know, I can't find anyone around here to work on this thing. Like, what about Bruno's shop? And, you know, but it, it, I... It, it's a whole new crew there and they yeah. have any history there that didn't work out well all right so before we i'd love to hear where the car is now but before we go like one of the or move on to that one of the things we we chatted about quick before tim joined before we started recording is in the background in your shelves in your desk there uh, one of the coolest things i noticed when we were there that day that i they had two helmets in the back behind the seats just kind of stowed in the back those white helmets with the Audi sports stripes behind you and uh one the, I think the first one we pulled out was Fabrizia Pons and and right. the next one was Michelle Mouton these are their helmets 
potentially from even that Portugal race, who knows what I always found to be badass is not just their how it has their names, but it also has their blood types. And it was always on the car yes. too. Right. So like legit, yes. <laughs> this is real deal racing, but like, <laughs> right. but I mean, what a find, right. And, and I, I guess he included that in the, in it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, you know, that was one of the things like John and I had talked about that and we talked about, Pierberg spare injection system and we talked about uh, the aluminum fenders but we hadn't closed the deal on any of those if it's really included or not included in the deal and some turned out to be and not so that was the great thing about John is like we just had a gentleman's agreement and all the details we worked out to you know a really fine uh you know understanding in the end where we were both happy and felt like we dealt with each other fairly but Right, you and I peered into the car, George, and we saw the two helmets, and we were like, "Holy crap! Is he those are the, the freaking helmets?" You know. Yeah. And I said, "John, I, these these with the car," you know, and yeah. he's like, "Yeah, you know, take them." So I don't know, if, you know, grab the shells. I think my oh, positive too. Pretty rare. I mean, oh, she's rare in a lot of ways. Yeah, <laughs> she's rare blood type too. Yeah, it's great. Such a That's great awesome. So the car gets trucked off to Michigan to you, Tim. Yep. I was supposed to be there. At yeah. The, uh, at the handing over. A snowstorm that morning, was it? I think. No. Nope. The flight got canceled. Maybe the flight got canceled. I actually was excited. We've been talking about it, John, Jeff, and we're going over stuff. And I left my house at 3 a.m. to go to an airport an hour away. And as I walked in the door, they canceled the flight. Um, they said they could get me in the next day, but that would leave me an hour in Vermont um, and then have to turn around and fly back out. So it didn't make any sense to do that. Um, but the vehicle was shipped. I think it got here on Monday. Like you guys loaded on Sunday and he was here Monday. And I started the vehicle in the trailer. Um, noticed immediate difference between my tribute car and a real car. Uh, the vibrations that come from that car. It's like everything's solid mounted. You feel every rotation of the engine. Um, mm -hmm. It is just an angry beast. If I could describe it as that, it's just, it's nothing like what you would expect. Um, but it was amazing to be part of that for Jeff to trust me to, to work on the car. And we've been slowly working on a, a sympathetic restoration. It was important to John that the car just didn't get totally um, restored. Something he believes in is um, that the cars should be as original as they can. Uh, because then they're more like the original, not so that that's something important to him. But we've had some things that need to be updated, uh, you know, gaskets here and there, different things. And so we've been working on it and collecting parts um, and trying to find parts. The majority of our time is spent trying to locate stuff for this car because everything is pretty much one off on this car. There's very few things that transfer from a street quattro to this other than taillights, basically. Mm. Um it's it's pretty interesting um i've always been around this car over rally for a lot of years but i never really pay attention to the details but there's a lot of things that are totally different on this car than you would ever see on a u.s spec or a european spec ur quattro so it's been educational and and certainly a lot of fun it's part it's great to be a part of this whole project have you uh and anything that you've had that you've just been stumped with, right? Where it's, it needs, it needs replacing or it needs restoration, but just where to even begin or is it? We've come close. That? We've yeah. come close to that. One was the brake setup. Um, we obviously want the car needs to be safe to be driven and the brakes are original uh, from when John rallied it and, the, and we contacted. Um, so they were uh, AP brakes and we contacted that company and they said it was proprietary back then when they built the stuff, all, all the equipment that built these brakes were done. So we're talking about the rotors and the bells, which are what the rotors are bolted to and then bolted onto the car. And there was nothing available. So we were in kind of panic mode. What do we do? Who do we contact to have some made? And luckily through conversations between Jeff and I and another company um, from overseas, we were able to have some made. They're actually on their way here now, oh, wow. but you, you can't just go to a parts store and buy huh. stuff for this car. There's just, they're Actually, just not available. Audi referred us to them, right? Didn't, didn't Audi tell us to, to go? To yes, that? you're right. Actually, Audi tradition did. Um, I think they actually used them. This for, to service their own vehicles. Some of their yep. own. 
Right. So, so I think it's back brakes that were on the car originally, right there. Yeah, yeah but I don't remember the name, the actual how to pronounce the name. Like it's Maddie Hadai. You remember seeing this restoration of one of the actual X Works cars? Audi sent that car to them. We didn't know who the owner was, and they painstakingly created and built all new parts for that car. Every little aspect of that car was done brand new. There's like 1,800 photos, I believe, and they share it with the public, which is phenomenal. But yeah. the the detail work, and it was quite expensive, but you get what you pay for, right? Right. And we use that car for reference, it, although that's, a, I believe, an A2 car, if I remember right. Um, and this is early group four. There's some similarities. Um, and so, yeah, they're the ones that said, hey, call these guys because they did the work for us and we approve of their workmanship. So right. that's enough. what we did. Good enough for the Audi factory. Good enough. Yeah. For right? Well, the upside is right. Like the the advantage to working with Audi tradition is there. They, you know, for the most part, have a a, a very you know a, a solid budget to maintain these cars and get them out. And their collection has probably at least one of everything. I, I look back at like the experiment they did with the Silver Arrows. Right, they had. Uh, for the most part, I think they had one and, and there was an engine museum in Munich and whatever. And then a couple of these cars came out of uh, the Riga museum and, 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 uh, but they were in private hands. So they, they, uh, I think most of the silver arrows they have, certainly the streamliner and a couple others, uh, PIC had one, a company in the UK, Crossplate and Gardner made these things, they're replicas, but they're, you know, forget like Porsche speedsters on BW tubs, right? Like this is not a replica, <laughs> what we're talking about. These are made specifically you know, by artisans in the UK to to be exacting to what the original like pre-war audience were. And so I know they're great at resource, you know, they have these vast resources that they're motivated. If the Audi board is motivated, uh, they can at least get that. It's always nice to have somebody do that homework for you, right? And then you just yes. call up the company that's already done it once and be like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll ride right, those cool. coattails. I'm fine right. with that. Right, we'll take two of those, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, that's so that's cool. So nothing terribly stumping then. You're you're at this point. Are, are, is it done or is it is it on its way? Is it? It's not, it's not done. Process? Uh, Tim's uh, cleaned the car up tremendously. We've identified, uh, you know, sort of the work list that. Needs it, to be done. fair to Tim, this was just a couple months ago. That yeah, you got a hold of this thing. So right. like, I'm like, yeah, right. he's done a lot already, um, especially yeah. with the engine, and, and we'll share so we could share some photos of before, before and afters. Um, but the car is really in in good shape. We're going to be doing what's necessary to preserve it. Um, obviously, it needs to be safe. It should be period correct, and it should be preserved. Um, you know, one like for example, one of the things we looked at. I mean, we can, you know, completely, you know, uh, restore everything till it looks brand new right but what fun really is that at the end of it right like you want it to look original i think that 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 was the magic when i got in that car right george and you too right yeah. you yeah. feel like this thing just came from battle you know right yeah. and and we want to keep that um but have it in an amazing shape and that's and that's what it's going to be when we're when we're done with it well preserved like one of the things, for example, like there's dings under the car from rocks hitting it. Now we could take all those out and it could look like it just rolled off the factory line. Um, but I don't think so. You know, they kind of tell the story, don't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. They're battle scores, you know, so it's finding that balance. Um, but it's going to be a, a beautiful piece that tells the story when we're done with it. Um, we, we hope in, in about eight months to a year. That's what we expect the, the time frame to be. Okay. Is it, um, I know, I know we chatted, uh, briefly, uh, back then about things like Pikes Peak. Um, it, it, I know, I don't know if you guys knew this, this is the hundredth anniversary of Pikes Peak. Oh, Minnesota no, too. we knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not only, it's the hundredth anniversary of Pikes Peak and it's the 40th anniversary of John's run of Pikes right. Peak. Right. Yeah. So if, if, if even at this late date, yeah. there was a way to reunite John with that car on that mountain. Right. I think Tim and I would move heaven and earth to yeah. get it there in the, in the condition it needs to be so it could be driven I, properly. I right? will say, I, I, don't, I don't know that I have any real news for you. Happy to go over that because okay. I don't know that much of that is for this conversation. So we'll, we'll yeah. wait until after uh, we, we stop the recording. But um, I, I will say also worth noting with, with this summer, I'd love to see something happen. I, I did not, I, I've 
I've made a point of mentioning that to Audi. This is also the 35th anniversary of Walter's final run in 87 oh, uh, right. in the S1 E2. So like, um, I, I, I don't, you know, 100th anniversary for that one, 40th for your car, uh, 35th for, for Walter's. Like it's, it's, uh, and of course, you know, then there's, you know, Ken Block. I think I, I did also talk to Hoonigan. Ken will be, Ken will be competing that week. He won't be in an Audi, um, mm. but he will be in town. So Got it. anyway, boy, wouldn't it be great if something came together? Oh, it would be tremendous. <laughs> yeah. it, would, it would be great. So you're thinking eight months on this and then uh, I, I'd imagine you'll take it out to events and that sort of thing. Do you have any, any thoughts one way or the other on what you're kind of looking to do with it? I, I'm really going to sort of follow really your and Tim's lead on that stuff. Like you probably, you know, George, like you need it for the club here and there and we can swing it. Let's do it. You know, I, yeah. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. And, um, you know, maybe when it's done, if there's something out, since it's already in the Midwest that we could do before it comes back to New York, let's do that. Um, but I, I'm open to, you know, anything that's going to create excitement and tell the story and is reasonable. I, I would love to see it out there more, right? Like it's such a, I'd always heard about it. Our, our former executive director, Paul Truis, used to work with John uh, at, uh, at his shop in, up there in Vermont and lived up there and whatever. So he was very familiar with the car and I, he would tell me about it. I, I hadn't seen it before that day. I was there with you to, to, to that you were taking delivery. I'd heard that they'd done some, some restorative, you know, work on it, but, but that's about all I knew. It's, you know, I've only ever seen it in pictures. So it's, mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's cer certainly something to see, uh, in person, Tim, any other further discoveries in this thing that you've, you've, uh, as you've been digging around through it that were unexpected. There are, um, yeah. some that I, I can't share, um, due to <laughs> different reasons and stuff, yeah. but, um, interesting things that we've noticed, um, that are unique that are just like, why did they do this? And, you know, what's the reason behind it? What, what were they thinking? And, um, you know, building my tribute car in this car, uh, for example, just the dash, I always thought there was a, um, you know, basically a blueprint of how to build these cars. And we're finding, we've known for years that there's no rhyme or reason and dashes were done different and different switches were put in and different lights huh. were put in. Um, it's what they had to work with. And we noticed that with this car that sometimes things were just put on. Um, and, but it's, it's, kind of like an archaeology um because you're digging and you're finding things and maybe jeff can expound a little bit more but we found some uh certain thing taped to a roll bar uh, that had been there for years that just nobody bothered to look at um we, we find that kind of stuff i can't remember what i found inside the car um but something was buried down into one of the supporting steel structures for the seat that was down there that had been there for years that nobody ever bothered to clean up or even look for it. Just kind of weird things that, yeah. um, Oh, what, one was a battery tie down. We noticed that was missing and happened to be cleaning the trunk and I cleaned it multiple times and I've been in there multiple times. Then one day I saw that the tie down was in there. They had uh -huh. had a different one on there, but the factory one from when Michelle had the car was Still wedged there. down in where you couldn't find it. So, Funny. but it took quite a few times visiting that trunk to see that. So we're still digging and hopefully we'll find some more do you, artifacts. Jeff, do you remember that day there was, there was discussion? I don't know where you've ever find a template of this, but I remember him talking about in regards to the two helmets. When they first got the car, there was like a foam piece foam. that was, that was in the back that was meant to hold like the helmets and other pieces of equipment, the fire extinguisher. And he, I guess he said at a certain point, I don't know if it got wet or it started to like deteriorate. And so he just threw it away. Like, oh, John, right. John you threw it away. Like you, you can remake that now. Is there a way to even figure out the template on that? Uh, are there <laughs> other group fours out there where you can, like that exists or are they just, is that just something for history? I think it might be gone, gone forever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Tim and I talked about it. I'm, it may just be gone forever. I know it's like, oh, you threw it away. But yeah. it, it, he said it was falling apart already. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So the other thing is they, they hold moisture, right? So yeah. that, that was the other thing is they may not it may not be the best thing to have in the car, but yeah. I was gonna say interesting note, George, is that everything I'm taking off this car, rusty piece of bolt or um, yeah. zip tie, anything, 
everything has been saved every little piece oh that's fantastic of this car because it has a history and a story and it's yeah, yeah it's junk it's really junk but it's come off that car i mean that's you know it's right pretty cool but it's I, pretty cool I, I think that's cool right? because it like it, particularly now the phase of life where that that car is but you look at like most motorsport right like it's such a when a car is in at least in its competition period right like it's not there's not really a a consideration of history there typically it's just you know race it modify it fix it you know keep moving right. forward 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 never looking back and so it was on one hand it was almost like yeah get it right because that's kind of where john's been. like yeah yeah it's practical it, it, it was falling oh. apart you know toss it it's taking up space so so on one hand but the historian of me, <laughs> it's just like oh but yeah. so like i think i think it's great that you guys are going through it with such consideration <laughs> i had even i had this exact same conversation because Right, you go. It's like, how did he just cut that? What was he thinking to just cut that? Yeah. And I was, I was talking to Tim. I said, you know what? It just, this is like my night table to him. Like yeah. I have a coffee stain. If you know, there's some paint peeling off it. I don't, you know, if the if the draw wheel comes loose ten years ago, I'm not fixing it. I'm just going to keep slamming it closed, which is going to scratch the wooden side. And someone forty years later comes along, and this thing turns out to be this huge piece of history. They're going to be like. Look what they, you know, how did he not? Can you believe it? Yeah. Know, but it was just my night table, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, and at the end of the day, right? Like that, that, that is the history of it, right? right. Like that's what got it. it. That's part of its story. Right, so, yep. right. This was just something they were driving to win races. That's it, you know? Yeah. They did and whatever they did. had to on the fly. It wasn't always elegant, but, but that to me is what I love about rally. It's the grit involved yeah. in it. Like, totally. And I'm a big hockey fan. I feel like rally is is the motorsport version, the, of the wheeled version. That's an interesting comparison. I never really heard it's, that, but I think you're you know it's right. when you're, you know, you're not, you know, you're not rolling on the floor from a cramp like the soccer players do, or being brought up on a stretcher because you broke a finger in basketball. Yeah. Like these guys were these guys are press on regardless hockey players, right? They're all yeah, right. playing with broken ankles. You know, they don't care. Rally is sort of that same kind of gritty just got to keep going be durable yeah and whatever sort of modifications and improvisations you need to do along the way to get to the end is there another racing series where they put the i mean i don't know if they still do in wrc but you look at the cars in period from audi and the deliveries where they put the blood type on the outside of the car <laughs> like i think that's such a telling i know i've been around lamar i don't think i've ever seen a, a blood type on the side of those cars yeah. um, all right but, i don't know yeah, that's great. I, it is really a sign of what you're getting yourself involved in. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But George, when I rallied in the late 80s, we were, they were still doing that blood type on the car and you had to have it on your suit in case mm -hmm. of an accident, in case you were unconscious. Yeah. yeah. Do you have to indicate your religion for potential last rite situation? <laughs> yeah. How yeah. guys go? <laughs> well, I guess that's a, a, another question is we know, you know, going through any rally but i know one of the things with john one of the things that made him great is he was on the edge right so cars got wrecked yeah happened was this car ever substantially like I, i'm sure it was i'm sure it's had accident damage fixed probably at some point but do we know do we know any of that history of like any of its trials and trip tribulations if you will we we know it was never wrecked um okay. The best description of it is dog-eared that I heard about it. Okay. You know, it's like kind of around the edges and cosmetic things. Like if you if you look at his 1982 run up Pikes Peak, like the first half, the car looks pretty good. And then the second half, you notice like the front left spoiler half is missing, right? He clipped a rock, right? Yeah. There's nothing structural that happened. He finished yeah. and he won it. So it's that, you know, it's that kinds of thing. You can see in the, um, in the RAC rally, I believe it's a driver's side door, um, you know, is, is, uh, is, you know, crinkled a little bit. So he, yeah. he probably, you know, glanced off something. And, um, and I think you mentioned that first aluminum hood got damaged in the celebration after the correct. After Portugal. So, right. Yeah. Correct. So, you know, it's been beat up around the car, but yeah. um, nothing, you know, nothing terrible. Thank goodness. So, well, if you mentioned the, the video of the, the Pikes Peak run. I, I, that's probably a good segue. So you've got an Instagram account now. Uh, it's R27 Quattro, I believe. Correct. Yep. And uh, so, I mean, you're, I know you've been great at posting content you have of the car. Um, 
are there any other ways for is that the best way for people to follow what's going on here progress yeah, and everything that's happening our, our 27 quattro on instagram and also on facebook tim and i were just talking about putting up a new bunch of posts on some of the work that we've done and tim's done on getting the car cleaned up and preserving it properly just some amazing before and afters and um like you said uh, as we flipped through the the photos earlier you, you saw the engine bay and how sort of dirty and dusty it is and you should see it now it's really incredible uh what tim's done i may even be able to pull that up when would i got be, the car would it be um, in miscellaneous we have we have two files we have Mouton yeah it'd be mis miscellaneous yep. and then we have one called miscellaneous for michelle mouton it's just miscellaneous <laughs> nice <laughs> So, so George, when I first got the car that first day, I started on it and worked every evening um, and every weekend. I think I had four days off and one month where I did wasn't able to work on the car. Um, so I spent a lot of time and it just kept leading. And we're like, you know, how far do we go? Because initial thought was we'll just clean it up and leave it as is. But one thing led to another. This needs to be addressed, you know, that type of thing. Sure. And not all super critical, but you start down a rabbit hole and you really can't stop because you want the car to be right and you want people to look at the car and say, yes, this is what I remember seeing in the videos back in the day. And, um, and that's important to us is to bring that, the, the look of the car and the sound of the car. Um, and of course, John's history and Michelle's history and uh, try to convey that through the way the car looks. Um, the plan is to bring it to the, um, the look of the 1982 Portugal rally um, for the tarmac versions of the car. So we've purchased everything in the pictures that you see of that car and are currently working on installing some of that stuff back on okay. the car. So, so that's, go ahead. Probably what, flares, Renaults, or the race Renaults? Is that, right. okay. So you don't see around the wheel arches, um, it just looks like an Quattro fender, I guess, here in the shot. But but um, the group four would also have uh, these kind of extension arch flares over the wheels. Um, Correct. And then different wheels. What other visual differences would there be? This uh, is for example, close. we have the antennas. We found sourced the antennas that were on the car. Uh, cool. John removed them. You know, I don't know when, what year he removed it, but we reinstalled the antenna. We're doing that. We're doing the wheels, the flares. Um, it's going to have the proper light configuration on the front, the way the car was. We've purchased the Euro um, taillight pieces and trim so that the Euro plates fit in there where John had the U S plates because the U S plates won't fit. And he had to have the, the United States plates in there in Vermont plates to, in order to rally, you have to right. have plates and insurance and all that stuff. So he switched to the U S spec. Um, so the, a lot of those little things like that are what we're, we're going to be, um, bringing it back to. Very cool. Details, details. Yeah. I can't find that before and after Tim. I got everything but that. All right, let me see if I can find it. While we're waiting for that, did, did yeah. you guys know that Michelle ran Le Mans? I ever once, and in like a GT class. Yeah, I did know that. She won. I didn't Apparently, know she won. It, it got it got uh <laughs> yeah. So she wasn't all an outright win, right? She was a class winner, but she she uh, apparently it got it rained as it always does in Le Mans, right? And, right. and uh, she was having fun sliding it around out there and was making great time. So she, she's remarkable to me, right? She, she doesn't start driving until she's 21. I get the sense too, I'm unclear about the early history. Like, she, she, uh, like a, a friend who was a guy, maybe a boyfriend, who knows, just asked her to go rallying with him. And her dad was like, I think she went rallying with him. It was his navigator once or twice. And then her dad was like, yeah, you're not, you're driving. You're not... <laughs> You're right. not riding. You're not navigating. You're driving, and and so he bought her a car and, and you gave know, her like two years or something, and said you do it for two years and see yeah. if you make it, and if you can't, give it up, but go for it. Basically. Right. She lands the Fiat France seat, and then she lands the the seat with Audi. It's I mean it's it's remarkable because how many racers start at 21? I mean that's the other side of it where right it's late. Yeah, Tell and when I that. talk to her now, she's like, nah, like. She's not, I, I know, I don't know a lot of race car drivers. I know a few, I've been privileged to get to know a few, but like they're, they're, you know, it's, it's talking about their career is still something, you know, you, you kind of do into retirement, right? You look at all the greats of like, right. you know, uh, 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 they all kind of do it. And she's like, nah. I, like, she's kind of, she's like racing itself, right? She's kind of moved on. She's forward looking, your grandkids, whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. So we, re we reached out to her, um, 
you know, when we got the car and talked, you know, to explore whether she'd be interested in doing something, whatever. And yeah. she, didn't, she didn't close the door, but I, right. I also, what you're saying, George, is right. I think she's at a stage in her life, like, she's like, you know, that was my past and I'm proud of it, but I'm a yeah. grandma now and I've got other things I want to do. And I love how she's so cool about it. Like yeah, she doesn't, she, it doesn't define her, right? She's like, yeah, right. it's cool. I did it. And, right. and she, it's not like, like you said, she's not closing the door. It's not like I want no part of this. It's not right. that she's ashamed of it in any way. Right. She's just and like, she it's no big deal. Right. She doesn't resent you asking. She gets while you're into it. Like she's proud right. of her career, but it's like, okay, I did it. And yeah, you know, she's just so else. like coolly aloof about it, right? Like, it's yeah. just like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. She's a very cool woman. She's great. Um, yeah, we got Fabrizio Pons has commented on a few of our photos. Oh, cool. Actually, I see she's her book she's came out, right? Did she's got a book her? too? I think it just came out. Wasn't it called? I just got it. I should have I should have brought it. Is up. it in English? Yeah, I just literally got it yesterday. Just had to like pre-order it. Was it is it called Snow or something like that? I'll, I'll have to look it up. I didn't realize there was one. It, do you know is it in English or are you gonna have to because I know there's there's an older biography of Michelle, but it's in French. And so um, I haven't, and it's also oh, kind of hard to find. Uh, it's called Winter Story. Winter Story. And uh, it's, you could get it on Amazon now. Okay. And, and I believe it's in English. There are a few co-drivers that transcend and achieve the fame of a driver, but Fabrizio Pons is one of them. Gets onto our whole career with Michelle Mouton. I literally yeah. just got it. I just got it yesterday. I ordered it like two months ago. You know, I heard it was like, or a month ago, whatever it was like. Once again, that was Snow Story. Uh, snow. Winter Story with Fabrizio Pons. Winter Story. Um, yeah, she's fascinating too, and I, I think she's been like I know she just did a Quattro event with Audi PR in Germany a, a couple months ago, and she's active on Instagram. People should totally follow her too. And just Google yeah. it. I'm not sure of her username, but but uh, this was Michelle's co-driver in her time at Audi. So I think Michelle had a couple other co-drivers prior to Fabrizia. But then she gets to Audi and, and she's paired with, with Fabrizia. And I think she even, if I remember this story correctly, her first run at Pikes Peak, she gets to Pikes Peak in 84 and is like, this is nuts. I want a co-driver. People don't. So you've got this French woman in a German car who's very outspoken. And she's like, I want a co-driver. And she runs with an extra body in the car and still gets. That's right. Class win. When, right. When you hear, you hear Michelle McDonald retelling the story. She's like, there's so many turns on this thing. I can't remember them all. Yeah. Uh, Fabrizia is pretty light. Let me yeah. call her. You know, it was like yeah. know, making the weight calculation. That right. I and I think by the next year, if I like, because when I did the research for the 85, so we, I did the story on both of the magazine. But when I did the research on 85, I found some like, like the Audi tradition and sent me, I had to translate the whole story from German, but it was like, they had they, it was kind of like this conversation they were like look we want the all-out win we got the class with Fabrizio in the car so like Joe had Joe Hoppin had to have a conversation with her it was like could we do this without Fabrizio like like <laughs> not not that she's not valuable at this right but we need to drop weight right. <laughs> so, and right. so like you know it was it was all or nothing we're gonna make this happen and uh and for Bruce, yeah. it's like 90 pounds soaking wet, probably. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, totally. That's what they're down to. The, right. uh, the other thing I remember reading about that one was like, I think at that point in the summer of 85, they're running S1E2s in WRC, right? But like I, Hanu and Michelle, I, I found another quote by her that was like the S1E2 was just, a, it was so like she she didn't want to, she didn't want to, like she was happy to go without the arrow, right? Like, like yeah. Actually, Tim was saying, I think uh, Hanu said the same thing, right? Yeah. The, the S1E2 was like not an, an, an enjoyable car to drive, right, Tim, or something like that? Yeah. When he visited in 2017, we were having dinner, and I always assumed that, you know, the S1E2 was the car or the Sport Quattro, and he said the short wheelbase was uh, hard to control, and he preferred the long wheelbase between the cars because he could throw it around. It was yeah. easier to maneuver, so it was very difficult, and I I can't put words in his mouth saying that other drivers felt that way, but it seems like that was the case or that's what I remember. I, I'd be curious. I never did find if it was her decision to run with that air, like the, without the E2 uh, configuration at Pikes Peak that summer anyway, because they were, they were already racing that car in Europe and she wasn't full season with WRC at that point, at that point without a sport. Mm -hmm. But so she was over here doing Pikes Peak, but she's running a sport, well, you know, sport quad and S1, but not yeah. the, not the wedge E2 that that uh, Unserver and and uh, and 
Walter. Walter Ro- yeah, Rural ran. So, like, you look at her numbers that she pulled, like, she's doing that without the aerodynamic advantage either of those guys, mm-hmm. right? Like, it, yeah. considerable yeah. evolutions of the car from 85 to 86 and then 87. Yes. Yep. Tim, were you able to find that? Um, I, I didn't find the split, but I sent him the before and after full shots. So I'm going to share two different screens to show the before and after. This is the day you picked it up in Vermont. And then, so this is the, that is really impressive, Tim. That's, so was it hard to, uh, did you have to store those, those Kevlar pieces? Because they, yeah. Uh, you the asked one, the right question. <laughs> what's, what's, what's that, Jeff? I said he asked the right question. Tim was taking baths with it practically. <laughs> Lovingly, lovingly, <laughs> oh he God. nursed them back to health and life. <laughs> There's a lot of techniques. Um, some I knew, some I, I would work on myself and and you know fix and repair and color match and stuff. And um, the airbox was a, was a, di- a difficult one because it's a carbon Kevlar, what we call the dog bone weave. Um, you can still buy the weave, but I didn't want to rebuild it because the early cars have the round where the coupler are from the carbon fiber piece coming off the turbo. Uh, then you have that orange silicone piece. The newer cars are all oblong. The early cars are the only ones that are round like this. So you just, nobody's recreating these because there's very few early cars built. So the demand isn't there. People can do it, but very expensive. So we took it apart and cleaned it and re-epoxied it. Um, and uh, a friend who um, does some custom work suggested a, a technique. Um, and we did that to this intake and it turned out fabulous and it saved the intake because we we have we can't just go buy one right. so a lot of little details like that on every piece that you touch everything has to be researched and um, restored or preserved in some fashion and um, just because you want the car to last longer you want this car around for another 30 years 40 years right and we've replaced the zinc bolts you can see in the fender We've got all new metric zinc bolts for the cars. So we're replacing those um, as we go. Um, a lot of every details is being touched. Everything's getting hands on. Looks like you were able to save a lot of the labels. It's like the yeah. yes, yeah. They were they're epoxied in there. Um, Are they? And so we clean those up. We're careful not to uh, disturb them. You can actually see some little grease spots and stuff that you just can't get out without ruining those labels. So we've left that kind of stuff there. Impressive, guys. I'll tell yep. you, very, very impressive. Tim's done a great, great, great job. I mean, uh, it's unbelievable, unrecognizable, the befores and afters. It's great. And it was also interesting to, to see how it was all done and having a backstage view of, of it all has been pretty cool, just learning about it. And, are you, uh, are you, have you thought of documenting some of the, I know there've been a couple of things that we're, you know, you may not wanted to share and I fully understand why, but, but at the same time, uh, are you, have you been able to, I guess, document what you found here and, and should another one of these cars pop up, somebody restoring one of the early cars, I'd imagine you'd be a real resource for them now too. Yeah. I mean, we have a chat and we have a, a group that I think Tim started, right? Historic. Oh, the rally cars. And we put out to them and that if, you know, any of this is any help to anybody uh, for reference, I, I told them, you know, get your requests in now while the car is still in Tim's hands because <laughs> um, they're going to ask me some technical question. I'm not going to know, <laughs> you know, how to answer it. Um, but absolutely, this should be re- so happy to, to allow people to use this as a reference to, you know, to continue this tradition. In that, in that regard, Tim, was it a, has it been a one-way or a two-way street without a tradition? I mean, I, I know, uh, I know. That I saw that I was on the earliest emails with them, but like, is it? Uh, is they? Are they? It almost seemed like they were on a bit of a learning curve with this early car too. Have you been able to determine? Do they? Do they have access to cars of this age, or are they primarily converted Group B cars at this point? It, they're they've been very helpful they've given us some information and some proprietary information that we can't we promise we can't share yeah because they have interest in seeing this car preserved as well it's part of their That's heritage great. and their history so they've been open and wonderful to deal with on the questions we have um certain things they can't do they can't obviously open anything up to review a part that may be in the door panel or something like that they can't do that they can offer us exterior photos 
and they've been great at answering those questions. Um, it would be great if Jeff and I could take a trip over and look at the collection to further our a library of knowledge on this car um, and what their rhyme or reason was and maybe have a peek at their archives of this car yeah. if, there, if there is anything. Um, because we're, we're just gathering all this information and we want to make sure we get it right. And um, there's not a book we can buy that tells us this stuff. There's no dictionary. There's no internet source. You know, it's all through individuals across the whole world right. giving us this information and helping us and everybody we've run into so far fully supporting this project and uh, with either information or guidance. Such an amazing thing. I'd like to thank you guys for pulling me into this when you were, you know, planning your Vermont trip. And, and uh, it, it was, it was such a, it was funny. Like I, it was call, I was kind of last minute and I was like, you know, I went home that night and was talking to my wife. Should I go? Like, it's a once in a lifetime thing. I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> this, yeah. this sort of thing is, is the thing you don't miss. So uh, I really appreciate you including, uh, including oh, me in it. We're really looking forward to telling the story in the next issue of the magazine. So yeah, great. I'm so happy great. you were able to make it. Appreciate you making the trip. It wasn't a short one for you. I know. It's a long drive, but did it in a nice car. Yeah. Well, that's a great thing on the East Coast, too. It's a nice car, a nice drive. Middle fall, like going into Vermont in the fall is not a bad thing. That's for sure. Absolutely. Well, I I, want to thank you guys. I'm going to stop the recording here. I'll catch up on my speed. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you, Josh.